Hi, and welcome to Yes Please, your go-to podcast for all things sexuality, pleasure, and orgasms. I've named this podcast Yes Please because that's how I want you to feel about all things sex, pleasure, and orgasms. Yes Please, and more. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here and that you want to learn more about how to experience more shameless pleasure, deeper satisfaction, and ecstatic orgasms in your life and sexuality. And I hope to inspire you to feel that you can embrace and celebrate your sexuality all throughout your life journey. This podcast isn't just about sex and sex education, however. It's about so much more. Personal growth, living a radiant and confident and authentic life, radical joy and expression, and general fucking goodness. I'm your host, Erica Alsborn, and I'm a sexuality teacher and expert sex and birth coach, but you can think of me more as your BFF who you love to talk to about sex and all the intimate things you don't feel comfortable talking about with anyone else. I celebrate the vast and diverse human erotic and sexual experience and I embody a deep shamelessness when it comes to sex in all its different expressions. However, having said that, I am a straight, able-bodied, cisgendered woman and in my work I specialize in female sexuality and I work with women with pussies and while I have a broad and liberal approach to sex and a very extensive training, my knowledge is limited by my own lived experience as well as the focus in my professional work. But I hope you'll learn lots here with me. Expand your idea of what sex is and can be and mean for you and even though I'm an expert on this topic I'm not an authority. Everything I share is always a suggestion not a must so take what resonates and leave the rest behind. I'm always open to receiving your constructive feedback so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any. Okay hi and welcome again I'm delighted that you're here and now let's dive into today's topic. Hello friend welcome back to the pod or welcome for the first time to this guest episode today with Siri Kala from Our Fertility. This conversation is focused around fertility awareness method. That's Siri's work. But it also took an interesting turn during the conversation. And we talked about witch hunting and the historical persecution and erasure of female power, embodied sovereignty or body sovereignty, and, and wisdom, right? The wisdom that women midwives and witches held and practiced and shared with themselves and with others and how that was systematically persecuted and i mean if you know about the witch hunts you know that it was a horrific horrific thing right so we talk about that about the history around these things and the background that set the stage for the current modern medical system that we have today and how that impacts the knowledge that we have and how we interpret it and then of course how it is applied in modern western medicine and we talk about the the weaknesses the issues with that and also um, the benefits of it of course because the western medical system is amazing when used properly and in in the way that's ought to be used but when it comes to female reproductive health both in terms of understanding and managing avoiding pregnancy, but then, of course, also wanting to get pregnant, the Western medical system falls short. And we talk about that, why that is, and what's an alternative. And so Siri provides us with an alternative. So let me share a little bit about her. So Siri's uh, Swedish, but she lives in Norway. And she teaches women and other menstruating people from all over the world to understand their menstrual cycles learn safe, natural birth control, and learn how to truly nourish their bodies into resolving menstrual cycle health and fertility problems. Basically, she's a modern-day witch, right? <laughs> and I'm so grateful for her, <laughs> her witchery. So she works with menstrual cycle health and fertility from a functional medicine approach, meaning that uh, you, in that system you look for root causes rather than just treating the symptoms. At the core of Siri's work is the wish to give menstruating people full sovereignty over their bodies. Understanding the menstrual cycle, fertility, and menstrual health is a human right and a basic necessity for truly feminist society. I 100% agree. So I hope you will enjoy this conversation with Siri. And if you want to learn more specifics about natural fertility awareness, about the justice method, then go check out Siri's work or find someone else who teaches Justice Method or Sensi Plan or the Billings Method and research your options and make your informed 
decisions around your fertility and your reproductive health. There are so many options outside the conventional medicine ones, which is usually just, here's a pill, take it, here are these synthetic hormones, right? There are so many beautiful options and so much beautiful knowledge to acquire and learn, to understand your body and to honor your body and the sacredness of your female reproductive organs. May this conversation inspire you and maybe elevate your intellectual knowledge, but also your understanding of this topic. And uh, yeah, I hope you will enjoy it. Thank you for being here and for listening. So hi, Siri. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Hi, Erika. It's really nice to be here. Yes. And we share a, a history because I was your student. So I know you. So I know the work that you do. But I would love for you to tell the listener a little bit about yourself, what brought you there, what brought you to do the work that you do and the work that you do. So a little bit about your journey and the work that you do, basically. Yes. My name is Siri Kana. I originate in Sweden, but I'm based in Oslo in Norway since 10 years ago now. I really rooted myself here. And I started my, what maybe you could call a wellness journey when I was quite young. I started doing yoga in my mid-teens and started to explore natural lifestyle options. And back then I was taking the pill, like most young women do in Sweden, frankly. And I started to feel uneasy about it because the more I became aware of both my inner ecology and, but also actually the ecology in nature, I read some article about how hormones from birth control is peed out into the water and disturbs the reproduction of the fish and so forth. And I was just feeling more and more uncomfortable with that and thinking that there must be another alternative. Condoms didn't really feel like a sustainable option for me to use as an only birth control. I started to ask around. I, at that point, I was traveling. I was down on the Canary Islands, on La Palma, living in hippie communities there. And uh, I was asking women and they were speaking about like, yeah, I use neem oil as spermicide or even women who kind of take neem oil orally. And I was like, nah, not sure <laughs> about that. You know? It doesn't really sound like the alternative. I'm looking for, but I kind of, at that point, I planted that, yeah, at that point, I planted that seed question in myself. And as, I don't know about you, but often in my life, when I do that, answer to that tend to come sooner or later, you know? And uh, sure enough, like two years later, I think it was when I was, I think I was 21 or 22 years old, I was sitting in, on, in a sauna together with a gang of women at the singing course and we were speaking contraception and then one of them says like yeah I'm looking at my mucus my fertile mucus to know when I'm fertile or not and I was like say what you know I've never heard about that before she told me about it she was practicing something called the Billings method that is I would say like the first generation fertility awareness I went home bought the book instantly and basically started practicing it within months from that on my own without an instructor, which was difficult. I don't recommend that based on my own experience. But then time went by and like many other women, I would say the most common comment I get when teaching this is, why haven't anyone taught me this before? Mm. And I was sitting with the same question. And this was back in 2009. It was, you know, far before hashtags or Instagram or Facebook or even Google became what it is right now. You know, research was just much, much harder. Finding information was much, much harder. I only knew this one woman practicing this and basically nothing more. But I did some research and I started speaking about it. And no one I spoke to had ever heard about this either. So I, I, I started to become kind of involuntarily or at least without choosing it, I became this knowledgeable person about this in my circle, you know, 
And it even came to the point where I went to these knowledge sharing events like grassroots events where I offered free workshops on it, you know, just because I was very passionate about that everyone should have this knowledge. And time passed by, a few years passed by, and then I saw like that my, my passion was just growing for this subject. And I just felt like everyone needed to know about this. So I started to look for an education or actually first I started to write on a book about the menstrual cycle and everything I had figured out myself by charting my cycle, which was of course both getting the natural birth control, but also I had realized that by charting my cycle in the way that we do with fertility awareness, I was also starting to understand myself in a whole new way. I started to understand my psyche and that my difficult periods always came before my menstruation. I started to see how my, the cycles of my body was similar to the cycles of nature. And that was actually where I became really interested because it was like, how one else must have seen this before? Like, I, I can't possibly be the only person who have realized that, you know, so I started to do, actually started to kind of mail out to a lot of professors and universities asking for like anthropological books or like there must be indigenous people practicing this. And of course, I was not the only one. There are many, many before me uh, who have realized these things about their bodies. Fortunately, or of course there is. And uh, on this search for information, I also started to write this book. I, of course, very quickly realized that I need more knowledge to be able to write the book. Like I have far too little knowledge about this. So I wanted to find an education, a training. And this was in 2000, early 2012. And then a person contacted me, like an acquaintance who had just kind of heard from a friend that I was looking for an education. And she said like, yeah, there is this woman in Sweden who is doing something like this. She's doing an education like this. And she gave her context to me. And that was Jenny Kuss, who is now very well known in Sweden as Bulverein. Yeah. And internationally, partly also. So I had a call with her. She was at that point at the end of her studies at Justice College. She was the only one in Scandinavia who had been studying at the mm -hmm. college or had becoming a certified fertility awareness practitioner. And she was so happy to speak with me because she, I was the first other person wanting to make something professional from this that she spoke with. And we kind of bonded up around this quickly. And I applied for the education and I was accepted as the second person in Scandinavia to be accepted to that training. We are now like 10 or even more. I'm, I'm not even keeping track anymore. There are so many graduating from there now. And that just started a gigantic journey in so many ways. I don't even know how to explain that journey. Like it took me four years to finish those studies. And but just this college studies is very unique in it, that it, it teaches physiology and endocrinology at a high medical level, more than midwives get taught, uh, more than many gynecologists get taught, you know, it, it's a quite... It's a quite advanced uh, education medically, but it also has this whole women's history and women's reproductive rights aspect. I had never gone, like I've been a feminist my whole life, but I've never gone really deep into those things. Mm. So to really start to read about the witch hunts, to really start to read about persecution of women practicing medicine and how the kind of women, women's wisdom, women's medical indigenous wisdoms were systematically eradicated, you know, yeah. in Europe, in all Europe, you know, well, I just get the chills thinking about it. You know, that was, that was a, a long journey for me. And as for many who kind of, who choose to walk this path, you kind of need to face that first. Uh, you need to face where we come from, you know, and all the ways of suppression that, that still exist there. So from being this, I would say that I came into the work more as a kind of a bit of a fluffy hippie wanting to kind of think with my menstrual cycle. And I had the, this idea that most things could be healed with our intent and energy work and these kind of things. I came from there, first of all, going on this deep soul search and deep kind of diving into that deep hole of what women's history is and 
all the trauma that is there. And then also realizing, whoa, there is so like our bodies are so magical and like the physiology to understand the physiology and becoming a real nerd about physiology. And then in the end, combining those aspects to both having a very fair physiological understanding of the body and bringing in this more this knowledge that there is spiritual or energetical aspect to it as well and integrating to it those two aspects. And in the end, what fertility awareness is to me, there is so many things, you know, how can you even start to explain that? Like fertility awareness, what I'm teaching now is the justice method. So I left the Billings method behind. That's a great method. It works for many people, especially if you're trained with a trained uh, instructor. But I'm practicing the justice method now, and that is what I teach and what I've studied. I'm also certified in the method called SensiPlan, that is the most well-researched fertility awareness method, but I'm currently not teaching that. So fertility awareness, to come back to that, like it, it's a system for understanding how the body works, tracking the symptoms, understanding how we can look for changing physiological symptoms in our bodies, mainly the changing of our outflow of cervical mucus through the cycle that what comes out of our pussies looks different from the different parts of the cycles and what that tells us about our fertility and what kind of hormonal environment we have at the moment and also looking at the body temperature and being able to confirm an ovulation with a change in the body temperature and we can also look at other signs for example the change of the position of the cervix the opening to the uterus mood changes, other peripheral changes like breast pain, like most women find their own symptoms that they have cyclically that they can use as well as looking at mucus and body temperature. And then you use this like for so many things, like most women use it as natural birth control. And when learned together with a trained practitioner and practiced correctly, it's a highly effective method of birth control. So yay, I did find that. It does it works yeah it works it does when practiced correctly and learned correctly but you also get this whole array of other things i already mentioned that this self-knowledge that i got just without anyone teaching it to me just by looking at my own cycle i didn't even have friends practicing it like you don't need that you don't need necessarily someone telling you this knowledge like only by charting your cycle, you will start to see it yourself. Like you will start to feel it and you will start to experience it. And that's what's so important. And I would say fertility awareness, you can also use it as like a health management tool and to get pregnant. But in the end, it's this system of knowledge and knowledge about our own bodies that enables us to understand what is going on and use that information to make informed choices, whether that is like, I choose informed, I'm informed to choose that I have sex today because I want to achieve a pregnancy or to avoid to have sex today, to avoid a pregnancy, or whether it is like, I have enough knowledge in my body to understand that there's a hormonal imbalance here so that if I can seek help for that, you know, or I see that I am soon to have my menstruation because I ovulated this and that many days ago and then I can make the informed decision to not book that dinner appointment in two days because I don't want to do that while I'm bleeding you know so it, it enables us to make informed decisions based on our bodies mm, thank you first of all what a profound personal journey that transformed into a very exciting professional journey and one that you're still on in the work that you do with your business, Our Fertility and Teaching Fertility Awareness Method. And I resonate with so many things that you say around that curiosity of like, how is this? Like, what is this? I feel it resonates a lot with me with my sexual journey, right? Because that's what happened to me. It's like, what's going on here? And why is no one teaching this? And what, what's happening here? Uh, and I love this quote. I mentioned it many times. I think I have, I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I, I saw it during my sexology studies at university. They said, all research is me search. And I love that 
quote because that's usually where it begins. Like all people who carry a deep passion for a topic, it comes from the me search. It's the understanding of the self or the solving of one's own problems and issues and healing and all of that that then turns into the most in-depth, passionate and like exhaustive, thorough research, right? So I'm hearing that was your journey and that it was almost like quite intuition based and then it started becoming more structural and then it became well unluckily you found Jenny and found the Justice College and you uh, got that proper education and it's interesting what you said about like you don't really need to know stuff like you don't need systems and structures up to a certain point right like you can just you you can start with yourself But when we embark on a professional journey, oftentimes we feel much more confident and we're feeling in in integrity when we can assume and assimilate knowledge that has been collected and put into a system, maybe from someone else over a long period of time, decades, right? It's very interesting what you mentioned around Justice College, where you said that you you were studying advanced physiology and endocrinology. You studied a more advanced level in those areas than most midwives and most OBGYNs. That's fascinating to me because one of the most common criticisms that I hear towards Jenny, for example, because she receives a lot of criticism, um, and people who teach this kind of work is, you're, you don't have a proper medical training. You don't know. Would this pseudo, you know, hippie, bullshit stuff that you're teaching is not based in science and it's very interesting that you mentioned we study more advanced physiology and endocrinology than most midwives and OBGYNs so isn't it just fascinating how we have this complete bias towards the medical establishment being the only source of scientific wisdom and practicing and applying scientific wisdom right And also a complete disregard and suspicion towards anything that is outside of it, which I think culturally and collectively is is a residual energy of this archetypal witch hunt and the hunting and the disempowerment around women, women's knowledge and the practice of anything that is outside of the white collar, medical and even academic system, right? So it's like, it's the same thing being perpetuated as hundreds and hundreds of years ago in the 13, 14 and 1500s when they were really adamant about witch hunting, right? Yeah. And it's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much interesting in what you're saying there. Like, first of all, like, I feel like that statement or that we study more endocrinology than an OBGYN could come up and bite me in the ass at some point. But Uh I just want to kind of clarify that. Yeah. (laughs) That I think that we do study very, very, very in depth about the reproductive hormones. But I think what we especially study more of than an OB by June, I think we study more actually about the reproductive hormones than a midwife, maybe not more about the reproductive hormones than an OB gin. But what we do study more in just this than most regular OB gins is the connection, the endocrinology endocrinological connection between the reproductive hormones and, for example, the thyroid hormone and Mm. insulin and stress hormones. So how those endocrinological connections and pathways looks like and how these different hormones in the hormonal system affect each other. Yeah, That is something that we study much more in just this college. And the thing there is that, and, and like functional medicine, that is on the cutting edge of Western medicine as well. And justice is a functional medicine inspired education and institute, you know, that's yeah. the kind of medical philosophy that we study after. Meaning for those who don't know, functional medicine is a system where you basically look at Western medical research, but with holistic glasses. Exactly. Because because it's so silly, you know, we we have a medical system where we have a gynecologist that is focused on the reproductive system, but knows nothing about the thyroid gland mm. or nothing about digestion and insulin, you know, or very little, you know, only some very basic things. 
And like the endocrine system is a whole system. Like it's like a symphony orchestra where every hormone, where they play together in this very, very complex symphony, you know, and you cannot understand the sex hormones without also understanding the adrenal hormones and the thyroid hormones and insulin and so forth, you know. And you can't understand any of those hormones and the production of those hormones without understanding nutritional theory and gut health theory and how the different macronutrients, uh, glucose, protein, and fatty acids act in the body. Like, like it's all one system. And, and we know this, you know, like, like Western science knows this. It's just that it's such a constricted and very slow system, the Western medical system, that it takes so much time to change. So, of course, there will become alternative medicine education that kind of like, we don't have time to wait. Like, of course, we want to transform the medical system and we want the medical system to be able to provide these services. But we have women suffering now. We can't wait 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 years for the conventional medicine system to change before these women get help. So that is why like alternative medicine is becoming more and more prominent, I would say, especially like functional medicine, which is good and problematic, you know, because there's all there is like, I understand the critique because there is loads of quakes out there. I meet daily, I would say. I know people who claim to practice in similar ways like me and who don't, you know, who don't know what they're speaking about. And that's, that is problematic. So I understand these people who are criticizing Bulverin. I understand where, where they are coming from. They are coming from the fact that there are a lot of quakes. And to understand that Bulverin knows what she's saying, you need to have the same knowledge as she has and read the same research. And very few people have. Hmm. So that it, then it's very easy to just shout quake, you know, because you don't know what she's speaking about. You wouldn't know if what the medical doctor were speaking about, if they spoke about something similar either. But since that's a medical doctor, you, you would not call them quake because it's a medical doctor, you know, you don't, you're not understanding what they're speaking about. And that's, of course, also problematic that I've heard. I would say I've heard as many medical doctors saying stupid things as I've heard so-called quakes say stupid things. Uh, yeah. I would say a big problem is that we have a lot of medical doctors who have studied a specific thing, but speak about things they actually don't have knowledge about. I see mm. that a lot. But basically that medical doctors are actually speaking on topics that they have not studied and making it sound like they have mm. because they are a medical doctor. And that's like a huge, we've been studying a lot about this and just this also to understand the power system between like health practitioners and clients and the very unhealthy kind of power dynamics and shadow dynamics that often come up in those relationships and situations if we are not very careful with it. And I'm guilty of charge. Like I've met so many shadow sides in myself as a practitioner. We will always do that. I'm pretty sure that you have as well. Like I think all coaches and such, like, like, our arrogance and our kind of high thoughts about ourselves or whatever it is will at some point come up, you know, and most good practitioners, they work with that. And then we have a lot of people who don't do that, both like holistic and the medical, like standard medical. Yeah. And yeah, but, but what you're speaking about there with the witch hunts and like, uh, I would recommend everyone to read a book called Witches, Midwives, and Nurses. Mm. I was, oh, was going to ask you for a recommendation. I'm glad it came yeah. intuitively. Which is Witches, Midwives, and Nurses. <clears throat> yeah, it is by Barbara Ehrenreich. She's like a feminist scholar, old feminist scholar, and Diedry English. It's an old book, so some of the research, some of the history in it is outdated. They have an updated version of it with a foreword that kind of disclaims some of the original facts or history that they put forward. But I think all in all, it, it presents a quite kind of accurate picture. I think what is important to 
understand better about the medical system as it looks like today, that we think like, yeah, but it's science. It's the scientific medical system. And like, really? Like, we have the youngest medicine of all medical systems that exist. Like, Western medicine is a kind of baby. Like, if you compare it to Chinese medicine or Ayurveda even, you know, or many indigenous medicine practices, you know, like, I like to think of it as a science, not the science, yeah. right? Because yes, exactly. it's, it's one way of understanding reality. And it's a way of understanding reality that is very reductionistic. It's looking at the very tiniest components and it separates the body out into different organ systems and different systems like the endocrine system. And then it's like, okay. Here, let's separate it out. So it reduces the body into, into parts and pieces, which is why we have a thing in Western medicine called specialists, right? Because they laser focus in on something. So that's what Western medicine really tends to do. It has a laser focus, a tunnel vision into the cell or into this piece or into the heart or, you know, cardiologist, all of that. And it's a science that is highly technically advanced. But it's holistically very, very immature and ignorant and naive in a way, right? Or just lacking knowledge, incompetent. So when we talk about scientific methods or like science, yeah, it's like, let's define science (laughs) because there are different ways to conduct scientific research. And before Western medicine, there was other types of, you know, scientific and, and or structural health or and wellness systems like the ones you mentioned chinese medicine ayurveda taoism in a way also is a you know a, a system for wellness and well-being and of course those systems can't do advanced surgery and you know stop internal no, actually really are you going to prove actually, me wrong yes yes i'm going to prove you wrong i read this amazing article recently from, I think it was back in the 1700th century, an African colonialist, you know, from England or something, I guess, who visited an African tribe where they had doctors that performed extremely advanced cesarean sections. Mm-hmm. And this was back when cesarean section in Europe was a very, very new thing. And they still hadn't started sterilizing tools and stuff. These guys did that. These guys like had ways of sterilizing tools. Like, I don't remember everything, but basically it was a very safe and effective method for a cesarean section that they were practicing and had been practicing, you know, for hundreds of years. That's very interesting. Yeah. Is yeah, it's very interesting. It's not absolute. Yeah. No, it's not absolute. And and like, so we need to remember that, that our, like our medical system, as it looks like right now, it was based on like Greek philosophy, you know, mm. it was not based on science in the beginning. It was based on philosophy. And then it became like that philosophy became kind of mixed with the Christian church. And they were working with like the different temperaments and like all really weird stuff. What we look at now and would say like that, if anything, is like. Yeah, weird shit, you know, that you would more speak about, like, uh, yeah, non-scientific stuff, you know? Yeah. And and what happened was that that, the church, together with these early medical practitioners that were inspired by Greek philosophy and so so forth, they were the one leading the witch hunts. Like, Mm. the witch hunts committees actually had the new medical professional as part of kind of the jury, you know? Mm. Mm. All about this is is from this book, you know? And so when did the scientific model that we have come? Well, that was, again, I'm not good with years, but it was just a few hundred years ago that that scientific model. So it developed in the, it it developed in late 1850s when I read the book, The Great Influenza. So during the pandemic, I read a book about the Spanish flu, the, that pandemic in the twenties. And it goes through the development of Western medicine as it is today, the shift from allopathic medicine and what you talked about, about the fluids, because that's what doctors were practicing before then. 
understanding fluid balance, like draining blood and, you know, you need to, all, all of that stuff and the different elements, right? So from late 18, from 1850s, it started shifting. And then in the late 19th century in America, but also in, in Germany, specifically in Europe, the scientific research as we think of it today with like cellular studies and understanding bacteria and virus and all of that kind of, that's when it started developing with, yeah. within the universities and, and it was subsidized by very powerful and rich people and families. And then from there, it grew from the early 20th century, it developed into the medical system kind of that we have today. So it's, it's a very fascinating story and journey and that, you know, it's only 150 years old ish. Right. So, and it's done incredible things to help people live longer lives, live better lives in, in a way and to treat things symptomatically so that we can live with symptoms of deeper issues that we don't necessarily need to solve because we can symptomatically treat them and still be functional, right? And obviously advanced, you know, emergency care and all of that stuff that saves so many lives and it's, it's incredible. But when it comes to this specific passion topic of yours, it doesn't do a great job at helping women. Like you said, you know, women need, need help now and the medical system fails them because they don't have the right knowledge or they don't apply the, the knowledge that we have within the Western medical system isn't applied and understood through a holistic lens and in a holistic system. And so fertility awareness is an amazing method to help women, like you say, understand, like get knowledgeable about our bodies and from that understanding, make informed decisions and choices and support the body to thrive and support the menstrual cycle and the female hormonal system to function more optimally so that we can experience greater health, reproductive health and wellness. And so to summarize what you said, what the system is, it's understanding how the body works through looking at symptoms or expressions that the body does, like cervical mucus, body temperature, so basal body temperature, uh, cervical position, mood changes, and other body changes like breast pain or fullness of the breasts. And I'm sure there are many like skin things as well, like how your skin reacts, for example. That's a big one usually with, you know, getting pimples and stuff before your period and things like that. And through that, you understand the cyclical nature of your female body, which is, you know, a work of art, right? It's a work of art are the male body too, but it's different, right? We are different. We are biologically different and we should honor and celebrate those differences. But I was speaking with another woman on the podcast. I interviewed a woman on the podcast two days ago, Sharon Maloney, and she does amazing work. And she says, we've, you know, as a culture, and I'm sure you would agree, and the things that we've talked about with witch hunting just more so confirms is we've lost the sacredness of the female body, right? We've lost touch with that sacredness and the honoring of the female body. And Sharon mentioned like usually the first like conflict is at menarche. When, when a woman has her first period, that's when the shutdown begins. And it should be the other way around. That should be an initiation into, wow, I'm a woman now. Now I get to understand and honor my body and learn about it. And here are these MAGA women and crones and wise elders who will teach me about it or, you know, just my sisters before me who are one generation older than me or whatever your mother. But because of this erasure of this knowledge and the suppression of the female hormonal system for decades as the only option to understand and control and manage menstruation, that wisdom is gone or was gone for a long time. And women like you and your colleagues and also normal women who just say, I'm done with contraceptives that include synthetic hormones. We're all part of bringing this back, bringing this embodied wisdom back. And so I remember I, when I became sexually active and I didn't want to have children at 15, naturally, I was like, not ready. <laughs> the only option was the pill. It was the only option yeah. they gave me. And they just asked, do you have a family history of 
blood clots and any of like any circulatory diseases. I said, no, okay, good. You're good to go here. Here's the pill. I was on the pill for five years. I was pretty unaffected by it. And I just happened to, it was just by coincidence and, and sheer laziness that I got off the pill because I was living in Australia at the time and I had my little, you know, pill cards with me. And I ran out. And since I was in Australia and I did, I wasn't, you know, f- familiar with the Australian healthcare system, I just said, fuck it. I'm not really like regularly sexually active. So I'll just do condoms or whatever, or just wing it. So I stopped taking the pill and, and I never got back on it, which was, you know, good. And then I had an IUD and it was okay. And that also worked fine for me. But then I took that out after five years and I was like, I find that this happens also with menstruation, but also with sexuality. And some people are naturally more inclined to to question and be interested in it. But I find that usually it's in a woman's like mid-20s that she starts questioning things. Really, should it be like this? Really, is this all there is with my sexuality and my pleasure? I don't feel great about this. Really, what about my menstruation? Like, it takes a while, right? Because everything that you've just been indoctrinated into and you just accept and swallow blindly because you're 15 and you, you, you know, you look up to the doctor, you trust them and everyone else does it. And everyone's on the pill. Like, you know, it takes a while to kind of mature into, OK, what do I really think about this? What do I really need? And so I removed the IUD. I was 28 and I started seeing my the man that's now my husband. I just said, you know what? I don't think I need it. I'm not fertile every day of my cycle. So why should that? (laughs) Yeah, I figured that out, right? So why should I suppress my fertility every day of the cycle if I'm not fertile every day of my cycle? Let's just be careful. So we very, I mean, at that point, if we'd gotten pregnant, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. And I, you know, so we just, we just did the pull-up method for like five years and never had a, a surprise pregnancy or unwanted pregnancy. And, and then once I got pregnant, I realized I'm super fertile. So it wasn't because there was something wrong with my body. It was just because actually you can avoid pregnancy by just being smart and educated, which is for so many people not on the map, right? They don't even know that there is an option. And like, like and doing like you didn't, it works for a lot of couples. Like I don't want to underestimate that either. But I also want to say that there is a lot of people who I have, I had so many. Yeah, if it's important to avoid pregnancy, don't wing it. No, then you need a little bit more. Like I've heard so many women, also like beautiful, embodied, like empowered women say like, nah, you know, I just feel it. I don't need a proper like natural birth control method. And then they have been pregnant like a few months later. It's happened like several times. Some of my very dear like friends who are are very beautiful, strong, knowledgeable, intelligent mm. women, you know, and embodied, intuitive. I would never trust, even if I'm in all of that myself, I would never trust that only that for uh, birth control. But then again, like it depends on how big of a catastrophe a pregnancy would be, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. And that also comes to this informed decision because we will always make informed decisions based on where we're at. You know, if a pregnancy would be the end of the world and we will practice natural birth control in one way that is much more conservative and much more strict. And if it's not, then we will naturally, even with all the same knowledge, take more chances and take more risks. And I think this is part of probably what scares the conventional medicine system about natural birth control, that it puts the power completely in the hands of the women. Like, you choose, like you, it's up to you. And it's even up to you whether you're like, you know what? I'm willing to take a few more percentage of risk and take, make an abortion if I become pregnant, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another layer of the whole, like the fear of abortion. Abortion is something that has been practiced in all, also in all cultures, in all time. You know, it's an age old practice. So uh, I, I've done two abortions myself, and I know that it's also very, very, uh, I would not, not call it traumatizing, but I would say it's potentially traumatizing if you don't have the right support and you don't have the right kind of inner work to go with it uh, and that you do it in a way that is not honoring of yourself and the potential life that could have become, 
you know, then it could be traumatizing. But when done right, like it, it's not something you want to do if you can avoid it, but it is also, if I should be frank, something that has taught me a lot. I even my first midwife, when I did my first abortion, that was when I was practicing natural birth control without having had an instructor and kind of, I was just messing it up basically. And the first midwife I met, she was a beautiful, wise woman, woman who uh, I was actually staying at that point in this echo village in Sweden. And she stayed in the same echo village and also worked at the nearby hospital. And she told me like, yeah, but what you get to experience now is another part of being woman. Hmm. And I've always seen it like that. Like women are the gatekeepers, you know, between life and death there. We like our womb and our serenity over our womb and our, our bodies in that we have the power to say, yes, now life may enter or no, now life may not enter. And we do that in practicing natural birth control. Each and every act of intercourse we have is a choice of that. Hmm. If we are having intercourse with a man, that is. Also, in the case of abortion, each and every pregnancy is also that. Each and every pregnancy is an active decision or of, yes, this seed will sprout and grow to a beautiful blossom. Or, no, this seed is not growing in the right time. And mm. I will lovingly and respectfully choose to remove it, you know. And that is something that scares the hell out of patriarchy, you know. Yeah. That kind of reproductive serenity, you know. And that is what, like, as long as we're using... Like I'm not, I'm not against any form of birth control, but it it is a system of control, like birth control. It's like really controlling in very, very firm ways, and that is beneficial for some women. You know, like there are there are women who don't want to give a damn. You know, who just want to be able to have sex whenever they want and with whoever. You know, and and then natural birth control might not always be the right choice because you you always need to make these decisions and you need to be very conscious about what you're doing different kind of birth control will work for different people there's yeah. no right and no wrong but here as well like i think it's beneficial for us all to both have the knowledge about our bodies and look at the system how the system works and how that affects us and how it affects our view of our body and sexuality and when we have that whole scoop of knowledge, then we can take a truly informed decision. Yeah. And no one with a right sense of mind will ever yet judge you for that decision. Yeah. But I would dearly wish for every woman to have everything they needed to make that kind of empowering decision. And that's not a fact today because we are still scared of, scared of female power and female reproduction in so many ways. I agree with you. And what would you say is the biggest difference between a female body where we control the reproductive system and, and basically shut it down? We shut down ovulation through the use of synthetic mm -hmm. hormones. What's the difference between the function of that body and a body where ovulation is taking place? Does that make sense? The question? like Yes, of course. I know it's a big question, but is there a way to like <laughs> easily... Or like condense just so that a listener who is like, well, what's apart from all this knowledge and like cultural slash spirituals, like these benefits of understanding why natural fertility is a an empowering choice. But on a kind of like functional level, what are the pros and cons of it? What happens to the body when we suppress ovulation, which we do with birth control, right? Yes. Well, two, like you say, is a huge, huge, huge question. And we would need to understand the whole body to really be able to understand that or to yeah. give a full answer to that question. But like the elevator pitch version of that would be to say that our sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone, affect more than 150 different body functions. Hmm. Everything from brain function, mood regulation, bone density, insulin regulation, immune system, thyroid function, and so forth and so forth and so forth. When we take hormonal contraception, we are taking synthetic hormones that look kind of like our own hormones, but are 
in fact, different substances. It's not estrogen and progesterone. It's estrines, usually ethinyl estradiol. It is a synthetic form of estrogen. And it's different progestins. And the progestins can be, like, there are many, many different kinds of progestins. And the different brands of hormonal contraception all have different progestins. Some of them look similar to progesterone, but still quite different. But the newest versions of them look nothing like progesterone, like it's completely different substances. And why that matters when you say look like is because hormones actually, like they, they have different shapes. And yes, um, exactly. So for anyone who doesn't know that, so the, the cells in our body, specifically hormones, which are messenger carriers, yes. right? And they look, they have different yes. physical structures. It's like a jigsaw yes. puzzle or like a puzzle. So it clicks exactly. into a receptor. And so the structure of the molecule matters how it actually looks. So it's um, the key. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a key to a keyhole. To, yeah. Yes, to a keyhole. So hormones that are shaped differently or a key that is shaped differently than the original key will have a different function when it comes into the keyhole. It will fit more or less good into the keyholes, like it might fit less in the progesterone keyhole, but then it fits in other keyholes as well. It maybe fits in androgen keyholes or, you know, I, I don't have the molecular biology to that level to be able to say exactly what keyholes progesterone fit in. But the fact is that they fit in different keyholes, which will then, because estrogen and progesterone affect 150 body functions, these other hormone-like substances will also have an effect on all the same 150 body functions, either by kind of turning them up or turning them down and, and different of these progestins and different kinds of hormonal contraception will have different effects and different bodies will have different effects because of our genetic constitution and how our keyholes is set up. You know, so like it's really impossible to say what effect it will have in your body. And whether that effect will be negative or not in you, but it will change you. Like mm -hmm. it will, like without a doubt, change, make some changes to all of these 150 body functions because it is not biologically possible that it would not. And this is what we call side effects, you know, which yeah. is such a silly word because it's like, well, with side effect, we have one effect that we want. And then we have this couple of hundreds other effects that we don't want. But it's not side effects, it's the full effect. We need to kind of look at the full effect of medication. And then again, like that doesn't necessarily have to be devastating. For some women it is. For me it was. Like I had terrible side effects that I had no idea was due to the pill when I was taking it. I'm pretty sure that that wrecked my grades completely from the ninth grade to the end of high school, basically from I was 15 to I was 18. I'm pretty sure that was the one thing that wrecked my graves because my psychological health just crashed, you know, from when I started to take the pill, which is a long, long story in and of itself. But, of but, I but also it will hear, always have an effect. Yeah. I also hear sometimes like, like an elevator pitch that taking hormonal contraceptives when we shut down ovulation is like entering into a chemical menopause. Is that correct? Well, no, not really. I wouldn't say that you can uh, that you can liken the hormonal situation from hormonal birth control with any other hormonal situation because it is unlike any other hormonal situation first of all it is these synthetic hormones that we never have in our body if we don't take them orally second of all like in menopause we have a complete turning down of the ovaries and we produce less and less hormones like that would be rather like there are some medications that shut down the ovaries that you can use for example with severe endometriosis that you use those medications sometimes but they are unlike hormonal birth control then we don't produce any hormones or very very little hormones with hormonal birth control we have a lot of hormone-like substances in the blood but they are not our true hormones like there are other substances that are not our true hormones. Okay. So, okay. so it's not the same. Yeah. Okay. But I would say, I think 
those people are coming from the perspective that the hormonal birth control shuts down our ovaries. Hmm. And that is true. Like, I, if we say it like this, the production of our own sex hormones are at the same level as it would be after menopause. Hmm. But then we have these synthetic hormones in the blood instead, and that we would not have in menopause. And they create, like, is one thing, it's is, is problematic in and of itself to not have an ovarian activity, to not produce sex hormones, but it creates another set of problems to also have these synthetic hormones in the bloodstream. Mm. I see. I see. Yeah. understand what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very simplified way of saying menopause, but it, you say it's a completely different hormonal reality. And as a woman in a fertile age, it's beneficial to have an ovarian cycle and ovarian activity because it produces our sex hormones. And obviously, in my line of work, I appreciate sex hormones, not only for reproduction, but for the, the, the whole... They're juicy. They're juicy. Yeah, for sure. And also to have biological hormones in the system preferably than synthetic ones and i agree with you like it, it's a very similar conversation around like giving birth like i opted for an unmedicated home birth and i know that some women would just like balk at the idea and go absolutely fucking not give me the epidural and also a lot of women who have incredibly positive experiences with pain medication inside the hospital system with, you know, that making an informed decision to have that experience, right? So you can make an informed decision to take hormonal contraceptives or IUDs, et cetera, et cetera, and feel really empowered in that and have positive experiences from it and accept side effects or maybe have very little side effects, but see, you know, risk reward ratio. All right. Reward outweighs the risks. I'm good. This works for me. But we come back to the thing here, and we've talked a lot about this around like the, the systematic persecution of women, of female power and knowledge around our own bodies, right? Because that's what, what, you know, a lot of the witch hunting was centered around women controlling themselves, having autonomy and sovereignty and be able to practice women-focused medicine or midwifery, for example. But it have sex, you know? Yeah, it, it was, exactly. A lot of pro promiscuity was a factor in if someone would be judged as a witch. Yeah. So just being a sexually free woman was also deemed as being a witch. Yeah, which now has turned into being a slut, which is why I have an online course called Slut Academy, because I'm like, fuck you. Beautiful. <laughs> I certify sluts. They literally get a certificate PDF <laughs> at the end of the course that says that they are they oh, are so certified sluts. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting, like how the semantics change, but the, the, the thing is still the same. But but it boils down to, yeah, understanding your body, making a choice that feels good to you, where you can make truly informed consensual choices whether you're interested in managing understanding controlling whatever word you want to use your fertility around getting pregnant or avoiding pregnancy but then like in birth as well right where you want to give birth how you give birth all the things that are associated with giving birth i was just reading a story on instagram about breech birth vaginal breech birth and how that how the wisdom around healthy breach births have been completely lost, right? How, you know, and when when did we start losing that? Well, women have been giving breach births vaginally for centuries, ages, right? Since the dawn of time. And now we say it's forbidden. It's it's unlawful, right? And but we see this over and over again. We also see this in general wellness and health when it comes to all things, like things that are not gendered as well. So it's not just women lose here but it's oftentimes women because we have a different set of like biological circumstances and predispositions to these things and they matter so much for our culture because they are such charged and loaded topics like giving birth allowing or like allowing the seed to sprout and grow we are the sacred life bearers but we are also the dominant death bringers right i mean our womb goes through life and death every cycle and like you say we can choose to bear the life or terminate the life and so there's an incredible power in our bodies and it it ought to be 
honored and it ought to be revered as sacred. And then we can use Western advanced technology and synthetic hormones and all of the things to work with the body. But it, it, I think it requires a much more intelligent, inclusive, and humble conversation, right, in our culture today in order to reach a place where we are truly benefiting the individual and her choices. And I see you contributing to that, and I'm grateful for the work. And like I mentioned at the beginning, I was your student. I, I studied with you. I hired you to teach me the fertility awareness method, and it was eye-opening for me. I really enjoyed it. It helped me have a really successful conception. Obviously, there are things beyond my control in conception as well, so I'm like blessed with being very compatible with my husband and he has good good swimmers i have strong eggs all of the things right but it also made us feel really confident in our conception both in our avoiding pregnancy phase but also in our conception journey and it's it's a beautiful thing to feel like you're living in accordance with your inner ecology environment and nature and i wish for all women to have an experience of that. At least once in your lifetime, I think it's beneficial for women to be off contraceptives, to be off any, especially any hormonal ones, maybe copper IUD. That's a, it's pretty good hormonal, uh, non-hormonal option. But to get to know yourself, like you said, because all these hormones will change who you are because they impact all of these really important biological functions in your body. So in order to really get to know yourself and understand your body, I would recommend every woman to get off hormonal birth control at least once in your lifetime. Get to know yourself if you can. And in that case, natural fertility awareness method is an incredible alternative method. Is there anything? I have said it better myself. Is there any, anything you feel you want to mention or add to, to this wonderful conversation before we wrap up? No, I think it's pretty complete. I just would underline this, that in everything we do, in the work you do with sexuality, in the work of the whole healthy, non-quake wellness industry, infertility awareness, what we are doing is so beneficial on the personal level. It's really helping to heal us, empower us, take back charge of our body, become healthy and happy find optimal health, whatever that means in your body, for your individual. And it's also like a systemic shift, a systemic healing that we're doing as society. And something that I always want to point, point out is that I am such a firm believer that exactly the same shifts and changes that we need to do as individuals to be healthy and happy and feel good in our bodies are the same changes that the earth need to be happy and healthy. Like it just goes hand in hand. And I could speak forever about that. But I just want to point that out, that we, we are kind of on the edge of this huge paradigm shift in how it's necessary for us to live as humans on the earth, both for our own health to thrive and for the greater ecosystem to thrive. And that fertility awareness in many ways, finding back to our bodies, finding back to this more cyclical way of being and everything that means in how we shift our lives based on that will also support both a healthy social system and a healthy earth. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think I want to conclude with the witches are back, right? The witches and the slut are back. <laughs> That's you and me, Siri, and everyone else who resonate with that, who identify with that. You get to be part of this witch-slut revolution too. Absolutely. And it's so important, you know? Like, it's so important because there down in the roots of our connection to our bodies and to the earth lies the whole problem of the system we've been in for the last couple of thousand years. And that is why healing that is healing for everyone, everyone and everything. Ah, for lack of a better word, amen. Amen. <laughs> but I like the word amen for, you know, I like it. So amen. Thank you. Finally, where can people find you? I'll add the links below. But if there is anything in particular you want to mention about your work and the work that you do, 
um, and what you offer, feel free to use this opportunity to share about that. Yes. You can go to my website, ourfertility.com. I also run this online platform called the bodyliteracykid.com, where I have a group for people who have attended my courses and counselings. And I also have an open group that is for everyone where I share vlogs and podcast-like conversations with guests similar to this one, where I invite people that inspire me colleagues and such uh of course i'm also on instagram you can follow me there at our fertility i work mainly one-on-one with one-on-one mentorships at the moment but i do have online courses coming up hopefully during this year so you can follow me and and keep posted about that if you're rather into online courses than one-on-one mentoring or you can contact me for a free call and check out my mentorship if you want to learn more about your beautiful body amazing thank you for being here today Siri. thank you for this wonderful interesting conversation and again for the work that you do to provide positive change and witchery in the world it's a pleasure thank you Okay, my friend, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something new today or that I reminded you of something you already knew or do and that you feel inspired and encouraged to prioritize sex, pleasure, and orgasms in your busy life. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends and give it a rating or review so this important message can reach more people on this planet. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you next time.